Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and now broadcasting at 1.30 p.m. Mondays on Unity Radio, 102.9 FM in Worcester. I'm Victor Infante, Entertainment Editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and in a bit I'll be talking to Telegram reporter Richard Duckett about the play Bear Stage, but right now I'm here with reporter Craig Seaman. Hi, Craig. Hi, uh, Victor. It's good to have you. Good, well, to, good to be here. Good to have you, too. <laughs> good to be here, too. And we're going to be talking about the second funniest late night host on TBS, Conan O'Brien. Um, so, in case you have missed it, and... If you don't live in Worcester, you probably did. If you live in Worcester, you've probably heard nothing else <laughs> for the past week or so. Um, Conan O'Brien was on Late Night with Stephen Colbert. And right after the Super Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl. And he was talking about, um, he took one of those DNA tests, and he was 100% Irish, which almost never happens. The doctor had never seen it before. And he said basically what happened is, his family came here from Ireland in the 1840s or so, around somewhere around the Civil War, and they all they all lived in one house in the corner of Wist, in a corner of Worcester. He said Worcester is a few people, like two people wooed, and he said, "Don't woo Worcester. No, nobody woos Worcester. It's unwooable. It's a light joke. We've all heard it before, but there's kind of an up in arms about it these days in a kind of lighthearted, jocular fashion. I don't think anybody's too seriously, quote, angry. But what has emerged is this online hashtag campaign, woo, hashtag Woo Conan, trying to draw Conan to Worcester so people can show him around and say, hey, it's not that bad of a town anymore. It's not Springfield. Yeah, sorry. Shelbyville. <laughs> Shelbyville. <laughs> Um, so what do you think of all this, Craig? Well, it's funny because I, I did watch it last night. It was actually a very funny routine. It is. And uh, it was, uh, you know, after a, a triumphant win for the uh, Patriots, mm-hmm. but not the most exciting game you could ever see. Halftime show wasn't that exciting either. It was bland. So he actually picked up the night because yeah. no one in New England who watched the Super Bowl was ready to go to bed. <laughs> so he had this very abs- uh, zany routine that uh, I'm surprised. You know, we're we're talking how oh he dissed Worcester by it, saying uh, it, don't it, move Worcester. It's in a joke. It was meant in a good humor. We know this, but we're we're pushing back now. But the mm-hmm. funny thing is, it seems like no one's latching on the other joke, which was the fact that he said that Worcester was a place where there was serious inbreeding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's 100% Irish. It seems like no one, I mean, the the joke teetered on going over the line, but it didn't. Mm. But, I mean, this guy made a joke about inbreeding, <laughs> about the fact that Irish are inbreeding. And then he made the, the kicker line at the end. He said he stopped the madness by marrying a woman who was 50% Irish, 25% Scottish, and 25% Welsh. 
And then Welsh. He, Welsh. And then he and then he said uh, his family thinks he has jungle fever now, which was a little <laughs> risky, but it's but Yeah, I actually thought that, that that was in poor taste, that last yeah. part of the joke there. But you know, Conan O'Brien every now and again, he's got a pretty good batting average but on no these things. Seems, no one seems to be uh, doing the inbreeding thing. And I did research because Conan it's been on t- TV mm-hmm. for 25, 25 years. years. He has the, he has, he's he's got the record for for yeah. late night television yeah, at the so moment. Yeah, so ninety three he got he got the big the, the well the first coveted job replaced a lot of men at twelve thirty on NBC. Mm-hmm. People a lot of people probably even forget that period. Yeah, I mean anyone under thirty probably doesn't realize he was used to be on at twelve thirty, and it and turns out that uh, Conan Bryan's mother Ruth Riordan grew up in Worcester. Yeah. And his father, Thomas O'Brien, is a Sturbridge native, and they moved to Brooklyn. And there, there might still be relatives in the Worcester Sturbridge oh, well, area. Co- comedian Brian O'Donnell from Wooten Annie um, told me the other day on Facebook that he knows that he went to school with like three second cousins. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of cousins because when he got the gig in '93, yeah, uh, we did a lot of. Stuff on it. We were. Oh yeah. And I. And to my knowledge, the last time Conan and Brian's been in the city mm-hmm. publicly, I mean, he might visit. No, sure. Uh, it was the Dennis Leary celebrity hat trick of two thousand and one, uh, which he. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Michael J. Fox was there, Elizabeth Hurley, Tim yeah. Robbins, and uh, a lot of Bruins like Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito. I, I mean, it's funny what's going on, and I love the campaign. Sure, it's and, all it's all meant in good fun. And uh, and if, you know, I don't Conan might bite on it and do something with it. I think what he should do is for penance is uh, for Dis and Worcester is dress up like uh, Lyle Landley, the uh, character he created on The Simpsons. Oh yeah, and sing the monorail song, <laughs> possibly an open day for the Wool Sox. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do. That well, that that is one option. Yeah, there's a lot of others, but I th- I think the um, the Wootenanny guys have it, do have it best. They're the ones that are behind the Woo Conan hashtag. Right. I try to hashtag like the immediately with like hashtag bring Conan to Worcester or something like that, and Woo Conan is much better. I think the irony is out of this whole thing, no one woos Worcester. I don't even think Conan O'Brien knows that the Woo is like the city's big marketing. Well, campaign. that was that was a funny I, that I, was the funniest thing because it was like a built-in uh, slogan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, honest to goodness, do not think he knows at yeah. all about that. I, I really, I honestly, he's oh, probably sure he oblivious. Does, I'm sure he doesn't. So he has stepped straight into. <laughs> This minefield. (laughs) So the people from the Wootenanny are encouraging people to call the his podcast um, Conan O'Brien needs friends. Friends, yes. To show him Worcester is something to woo about. Oh goodness (laughs) gracious, they have fallen into the marketing trap, but uh, we we can't avoid it. We're in it now. Um, The number for the podcast, if anybody wants it, is three two three four five one. Two eight two one again. That's three two three four five one two eight two one. And you can tell Conan, well, his answering machine directly to his face or to his machine that you know you want him to come and discover Worcester. This needs to be all in good spirits. Don't don't do it in a angry sort of way. You know, don't be offended. Nobody really cares. Right. <laughs> the thing is, the jokes about Worcester sucking. 
are old and they're tired and they're boring. And, you know, we're, I, I, I've got a personal mission to kind of push back against them because they're just not funny. Well, I mean, if you saw, I mean, you saw, sorry. I mean, it wasn't like he was actually, he didn't go out there to oh, God, dance no. Worcester. No. I mean, and then someone yelled out, woo. Yeah. And he was actually, in the, he was in the middle of his joke. Uh-huh. And then he does, uh, you know, that was his retort back to the audience. But it, but it was a perfect retort. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it made him smile. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But, you know, it's just like, you know, I remember, I've told this story before. I was talking to Sean Connolly, also from Wooten Annie. Right. Um comedian, local comedian, and he was telling me when I was working on a story that a few years ago, comedians would come to Worcester and they'd make jokes about Worcester, round rundown it was, all that, and people would laugh and go, yeah, it's true, whatever. And they started pushing back when it happened, more recently when when it happens, the audience starts pushing back. They're not buying those jokes anymore. Really? Well, you know, times change. There's actually something of self-esteem here in the city now, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, whatever you feel about the Paw Sox or whatever you feel about what's going on in the common or gentrification in general or whatever and all the 3,000 other things that are happening here in the city, that sense of self-esteem is real. Right. And I think that's a valuable thing, and I think that's a thing that really can't be overlooked too much. Yeah, but uh, back at, when you come to Worcester, uh-huh. it's the most its biggest asset, at least for the people, is their sarcastic wit. Oh yeah, and that goes back to that. And 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 Conan actually was showing that in, in the stuff. Definitely. He doesn't need us to defend him. He's got awards. <laughs> he's got real money. He's got a show that's been on for twenty five years, off and on on different networks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have you watched this new show? I have watched a little of bit shows? of it. I've I've watched. I, I go in and out of watching Conan O'Brien. I get a little tired of him. Tell the truth. I'm sorry, Conan, if you're listening to this. Um, I get a lot of t- tired of late night. Yeah, this is, in yeah. general. But um, but um, yeah, I do like him. I like him when he is doing the travel bits. The his bits with Havana or brilliant. Um, right. When he the Iceland stuff was great. South Korea. Those things. Those were amazing. He's. He's a very good interviewer. I haven't seen much of the new half-hour format. Um, I've seen a, like little bits. I watched. Right. I watched the bit with Tom Hanks right. and the egg, <laughs> and that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny actually. Um, but yeah, I find I, I I find late night humor repetitive. If right. you're if it doesn't have a bit of a like a news focus or such, which is why I like Trevor Noah or Samantha Bee right. that much. John Oliver. But the house that John Stewart built, basically. Right. Absolutely. What I would love to see. Yeah. Conan do stand up here. I would love to see that. I think I would watch that in a heartbeat. And Dennis, I, and Dennis Larry join him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's been at least close to uh, 15 years since Dennis has done a routine. Yeah. Here in Worcester. So. It's been longer. Than, it's been a while. Um, he did one at Mechanics Hall, I want to yeah, say it was. I, I was there. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, and I know it was. It had to be a completely unique routine because he had like the front row all filled with nuns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You know, these people we get, we kid, and we 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 hassle back. But you know, Dennis Leary, you know Conan O'Brien, their families are from here. Right. You know, Dennis Leary is from here. Yeah, Dennis is very much from from here. here. Yeah. And you know, there are people around that remember these <laughs> these right. people and these families, and you know, they're they're. They're part of the family here, you right. know, the Worcester family. So, you know, when they go a little too far away, we could draw back. 
<laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I think it's time for Conan O'Brien to come back and do a stand up routine here. And, you know, I think, you know, he's he is obviously too big for woo ha, but you know, like I'm sure the Hanover Theater could find some way to accommodate him right. or Mechanics Hall. Right. Probably probably have to be the Hanover. I think that's the he biggest economy. Be, would be the best place for him. Yeah, because you know, that's gonna be a sellout show no matter what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he better keep the prices down right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap that up. We're going to take a second, and we're going to listen to the song Crumbs by the Duende Project, and we'll be back in a moment with Richard Duckett.
Hello, and you've been listening to the song Crumbs by the Duende Project. You can find the Duende Project every other Sunday at Nick's Bar and Restaurant here in Worcester. And now we're in the studio with Richard Duckett. Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. And we're going to be talking about the play Bear Stage, which is going to be playing at the Plaza Theater at the Boston Center for the Arts. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with this play. Yes, well, Bear Stage is uh, written by uh, Michael Walker, uh, who lives in Sutton, and some theatergoers, some who have long enough experience and memory might remember Michael Walker from the old Foothills Theatre days, where he was um, Mark Smith's right-hand man during, uh, the, during the theatre's heyday and later artistic director himself after Mark Smith retired. Um, more recently, Michael Walker has been writing plays, and very successfully. Um, and now he's got a play, Bear Stage, which, as he said, is opening in Boston on February 8th and runs through March 2nd. And the theme is nudity, not and, to put too that, fine a point on it. <laughs> and that is a subject that gets most people excited, or at least many people <laughs> excited, or gets them up in arms. Come <laughs> so. Yeah, the... Um, the premise of the play is that an up-and-coming uh, playwright-director is casting a play, um, but one of the requirements for being in the course is that you don't wear any clothes. Mm. And the play focuses on the playwright and his interaction with two potential cast members, um, Kate and Rachel, who are both friends, and both of whom approach the play and the casting from different viewpoints, at least initially. Um, I believe that Kate um, doesn't see anything too bad about it, whereas Rachel is uh, a lot more concerned. And I think the, the intention of the play is to sort of... Uh, discuss or uncover, so to speak, uh, a lot of the issues that can come up with a situation like this, which can include um, pressure. You want the job, you've got to take your clothes off. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, it can also, there can also be the potential for harassment, uh, body shaming. And of and, course, that's a big issue these days, yes. particularly in the news. And there's the issue of, is is the nudity necessary, crucial to the play, or is it just something to sort of help, help increase uh, the box office? Well, and that, that was something I, I found really interesting in the story when he was talking about, talking about seeing plays with nudity and asking himself, well, does this need to be here? Right, right. You know, it, it, and, and frequently the question is no. I actually directed a play in college many years ago, um, Brimstone and Treacle by Dennis Potter. And it was a terrible production we closed on the first night, <laughs> after the first night. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to, I, I moved the nudity off stage and re, you know, reframed all of those just because I couldn't handle it for a college audience without it getting ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, well... Now, Bear Stage, it should be noted, does have brief nudity. It so, does. So um, uh, there is that. Um, but, yeah, I know what you mean. I remember going to see um, The Graduate in Boston mm. with um, Kath 
Kathleen, Kathleen Turner and uh, and the, the, the gossipy thing about that that production was that she was naked briefly um, and yet uh, when I saw that I, I didn't really see the point of it per se mm. and the scene was so brief that um, it hardly seemed worth um, putting it in in the first place. Uh, and I was also doing a little bit of research. Worcester has had some experience of uh, nudity on the stage. Um, back in 1969, a play came out called Oh, oh Calcutta, and it was quite a, quite a sensation for a while. Um, I've never seen it, but I gather it's absolutely a terrible uh, <laughs> I, It uh, is kind of legendary. <laughs> um, and... In 1977, I believe, it came to what was then the Worcester Memorial Auditorium, and a couple of years later it came to the A.M. Lowe's Plymouth Theatre, uh, which is now the Palladium. And on both occasions, the production was was so bad um, that the nudity was sort of barely remarked upon because... Um, because everything, there were bigger issues to yeah, exactly. about. I, I believe that hair has been here. And hair, um, of course, shocked audiences yeah. in its day. But yeah, that was 50, oh, that was 50 years ago now. Yeah. Um, I know that Forum Theatre had some plays, a couple of plays, I think, with some very, very brief nudity. I mm. mean, we're talking about three seconds. Um, so those are those are Worcester's less than fifteen minutes of fame in in terms of that issue. But yeah, it is funny because it seems you know these days you can't turn on the television without seeing nudity and you know on everything but prime time pretty much. Yeah, and even then it's you know getting pretty up to the line. But you know with HBO and Game of Thrones and all the other shows that are out there, it seems like nudity is. Pretty much everywhere. Um, it, it seems almost it's it seems odd that it's taken this long. I've never seen a play that has focused in on that as a theme to explore. No, no, I haven't either. So it should be interesting to see what sort of reaction it gets. Um, um, Michael Walker, I think, deliberately wanted it to be put on in a, in, a, in a city like Boston where it would get notices, reviews, mm. and provoke some discussion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the reaction is. Definitely. Has there been any early early reviews or grumblings mm, <laughs> out there? No, no. It, 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 it opens Friday, and the press opening, I believe, is on Saturday. Okay, so that's something that we'll probably be watching in the near future. Yeah. Just out of curiosity to see how people react you know it is it is one of those things where it's it looks daring on the surface of it but it i'm more i'm really more impressed by just how smart it seems and reading your discussion with him yeah oh yeah yeah it's obviously something that he's given a lot of thought to he's a very thoughtful um individual um and, and a good playwright as well definitely definitely and of course the foothills theater is much missed in this city i don't think any conversation about theater in worcester has happened since it closed without it being brought up again yeah i know yeah we, we definitely miss 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 foothills and forum uh, it seems hard to believe that we actually had two two uh, equity theaters going at one point um doing doing challenging work and um Interesting work. Um, 
it's a pity, but eyes are always uh, cast in the direction of um, a certain black box that's going up. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they call that dis- that area over by the Hanover Theater the theater district. And, of course, the Hanover's there. The black box theater is still underway, as I understand it. Right. Um, these things always take longer than you think they're going to. Right. And, of course, the Wuhaha Comedy Club has just opened. Yeah. So there's there's these spaces that are emerging. Do you think that we'll be seeing an equity theater company in Worcester again anytime in the near future? I think equity might be a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah. I think um, you could see um, a couple of um, theaters utilizing the black box space mm. um, and with their presence um, – Make, enhancing enhancing the theater scene um, with some challenging plays, um, you know, which, I mean, there are companies that are doing challenging plays, but um, I, and I think some of them would, would like that, that black box space because they wouldn't have to sort of keep it up year round in terms of um, maintaining it. Well, they, they, they could go in there, put on their production and then leave and then come back three months later. Yeah, overhead is always the big, big financial challenge for a theater company, which doesn't have huge amounts of income. Right, right. So right. if you actually are paying your actors and your crew, then then uh, adding upkeep to that on top of it is... Um, pretty impo- it, it breaks most companies. Yeah, it's pretty impossible these days. It's, it's remarkable Foothills did what it did, actually, for so long. Yeah, and, 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 and well enough that people are still talking about it to this day. That's right. All right, so I think is there anything else we should know about the the um, bear stage? Um, well, no, just um, go and see it. <laughs> Definitely, it sounds like there's something really, really interesting in the workings there, and I think that's something that's going to be worth seeing with one's own eyes. All right, then you have been listening to Worcester Culture Watch. For more, read our arts and entertainment coverage in the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and online at telegram.com. Unity Radio broadcasts on 102.9 FM in Worcester and streams online at unityradioma.org. As always, our music was composed by TJ Manipulator. Thanks, and we'll be back next week.